2: I'm Dylan Tyre, and this is Believe in Ohio State. Ohio State. Very excited to have you with me again this week because we've got a big show on deck. I'm going to be talking with Colin Haas-Hill, an Ohio State rider for 11 Warriors, previewing the Ohio State offense heading into the 2020 season. Last week, we talked about the defense with Wyatt Crocher of Buckeye Sports Bulletin. This week, it's all about the vaunted Ohio State offense with Colin Haas-Hill. Of 11 Warriors. And we're going to get right into things with Colin. But before that, I got to talk to you guys about betonline.ag. Remember, the wait is finally over. Football is back. We've got under a month to go until Ohio State opens their season. Football is back. And while you might not be able to be at the Ohio State games this season, you can still be in on the action at betonline. I've got all sorts of picks coming for the Ohio State season on next week's episode. That's all we're going to be talking about next week is betting Ohio State going into the 2020 season. So I'm so eager to bring you those picks, and I want you to get those picks in on betonline.ag. BetOnline has everything from game spreads and totals to team player and coaching props, and they give you more options to wager than any place online. They also always have their online casino. That never closes. So head to betonline.ag today and take advantage of all the great sign-up bonuses they have. Again, that's betonline.ag and sign up today. BetOnline, your online sportsbook experts. So right now, we're going to toss it over to my interview with Colin Haas-Hill of 11 Warriors, previewing the Ohio State offense from the offensive line to the running backs, the wide receivers, and of course the quarterbacks for the 2020 season. Colin, last week we talked about the Ohio State defense on Believe in Ohio State. This week I want to talk about the offense and what better place to start than with the offensive line where it's going to be pretty similar, a pretty similar group to what we saw last season, but a couple of changes, particularly at guard and tackle. How about you tell me what you think the Ohio State offensive line is going to look like this season? What names should we be looking out for at left guard and right tackle?
0: Yeah, well, it's a pleasure to have uh, have you uh, bring me on the show, and especially to talk offensive line, because I'll be honest, like, I love this offensive line. I think the offensive line last year was arguably the best in the country, and I think that I think this can be right there with that one, even though they lost Jonah Jackson, who, in all honesty, like I was saying this during the year, I don't know how many people were with me. I thought Jonah Jackson for a large portion of last year was as good as Wyatt Davis, which I know is high praise, um, but I think he was that good. And obviously they also lose Brandon Bowen. But when you bring in a five-star talent in Harry Miller, who is basically the kind of guy who you just never hear any bad things about him. He's a renaissance man. He is. He is. He's a great. He's a great interview because he. You can talk to him about literally anything. Um, he's. Just, he's not just a normal guy who just loves playing football. He has tons of interests outside of football, and it just so happens he's also one of the most talented. Uh, at least when he came out, was one of the most talented offensive linemen um, in his class. And you add him to, you know, a mix of Josh Myers uh, and Wyatt Davis and Thayer Munford as returning starters, and then your options at right tackle are either the. Best player in the or best offensive lineman in the 2018 recruiting class, or best offensive lineman in the 2020 recruiting class, or a six foot eight, 360 pounder in Dewan Jones. And like that is that is that is as good as an offensive line as you can come by, even at Ohio State, where the standard is so high.
2: Who do you think comes out winning that battle at right tackle? I mean, it's going to be Harry Miller in all likelihood at left guard, but out of those three guys you mentioned at right tackle, Petit Frere, Paris Johnson, and Dewan Jones, who do you think it's going to be?
0: Yeah, well, we got to see practice um, on Saturday, which was honestly shocking to me. Um, I, I assumed that they would keep practice close to the media, but we saw about a half hour practice on Saturday, um, which was almost confirmation bias to me because I've I've gone on I've gone into the preseason sort of assuming it's Nick Petit Frere's job to lose. Um, and he was the guy who at least during the individual portion of practice before they kicked us out, when they started doing full teamwork, um, he was the guy who was repping with the starters. Um, so I, I, fully anticipate that he's going to be the guy. I think, you know, there's a chance that, you know, Paris Johnson or Dewan Jones makes a late surge, but it's, it's, to me, it's Nick petit Frere's time. I mean, this is his third year. You think back to when Ohio state landed him in the 2018 class. I mean, he was the guy who all of a sudden when people were disappointed that Ohio State didn't get Jets and Carmen, it's like, well, okay, well, they, instead they get Nick Petit-Freres, this five-star number one offensive tackle rate, even higher than Carmen. Um, and I think a lot of people were a little surprised that he didn't win the job last year. Um, and I think that's just a credit to Brandon Bowen, but now entering the third year, he's physically where he needs to be, um, put on a lot of weight over the last two seasons. Um, and, you know, I feel fairly confident with him. And and the good part there is they just have a lot of depth, so if something were to happen where maybe Petit Frere isn't exactly what you want, you got a lot of guys to turn to. So I think that they're in a good, I mean, they're in a great spot with the offensive line.
2: I mean, what's that going to be? A five star at every offensive line position outside of left tackle?
0: Yeah, yeah, and the left tackle is going to be a third year starter.
2: Yeah, exactly. It's crazy. I- there's so much depth there, like you talked about. Obviously, so much front-line talent, but the depth there, too. That that offensive line, I think, is going to be really exciting to watch this season. And mm-hmm. They're going to be blocking for maybe a group of running backs that we're not as familiar with as we have been in the past. Trey Sermon transfers in from Oklahoma. Master Teague, in the time that he played last season, looked fantastic. Looked like he was going to be the guy to take the reins from J.K. Dobbins. He's been dealing with an Achilles injury this entire offseason. season. So what is that offensive backfield going to look like for Ohio State? Are we going to see a 50-50 split? Are we going to see more of Trey Sermon? What do you think?
0: Well, it's interesting because, you know, if they had started the season when they normally would, um, late August, obviously play games in September, I'm not sure – That it would have been a 50/50 split. In fact, I think it probably would have been Trey Sermon getting the majority of the reps with the with the starters at least to begin the season, Um, and maybe as Master worked his way back from his injury and started to feel good, then it would become a little bit more 50/50. But right now, I mean, I feel I feel pretty confident that it's going to be a pretty good split between Master and Trey Sermon to begin the season. I think that's completely reasonable um, because the reason why uh, I mean the reason why Trey Sermon was brought in it's because they didn't really know what they had in master, uh, given, given his Achilles injury. Um, and the fact that all of a sudden they can have a healthy master and a healthy Trey sermon. I think that that's the best of both worlds. And, and I, but I will say like, this is the one area that, um, I'm not, I, I don't personally go overboard on my, on my optimism. I think that I, I think it's fair to keep expectations in check here because I mean, you just have to realize what you had in J.K. Dobbins last year. I mean, he was more productive in a single season than any running back in Ohio State history, and we know how many players who have come through and, and run the ball um, as Buckeyes. And I think that our 50s fifty split between Master and, and Trey Sermon is interesting, um, but you're also, you also realize that you might not get that J.K. Dobbins level um, running in the backfield but that's also okay because you're running behind what might be the best offensive line and you have Justin Fields taking snaps so it's like even even where I think there are slight drawbacks to this offense I just think this offense is this offense is going to be about as good as it gets at Ohio State and obviously we're going to hit on Justin Fields at some point yeah you know he's he's a large reason why
2: do you like that 50-50 split because frankly I hated it when they did it with Mike Weber and J.K. Dobbins two seasons ago
0: well the reason I hated that in particular was it because it just never felt like, it never felt like they got into a rhythm, didn't it? Like, you, like it just, I think a 50, 50 splits. Okay. When it's done correctly, I didn't like that one because it was just like, all right, we're going to use Mike on this drive. And then I guess we got to go back to JK on this drive. And it just never felt like they got into a rhythm. So I think there's a way to get into a rhythm with, with master and Trey, but I'll say this, like my, I, I am a little bit skeptical of that until we actually see it. Uh, the, the one thing I really liked about Master Teague is it felt like in the third quarter and fourth quarter of games last season, like he's the kind of guy who can come in and just hammer defenses because he runs a four, three at 225 pounds. <laughs> he's just a bowling ball. He's not going to be running. You know, he's not, he's not elusive. Like he's not agile, like, like JK Dobbins who has all those jump cuts. He's going to be running through people, and running by people. And that's his game. So I think later, I, I think. You know, later games go, I'm interested to see if Master can, can sort of be that bowling ball against defenses that are a little bit more worn out. So like in my mind, a more reasonable thing to do is to, to, to let Trey start off the game and you and you put Master in there a little bit. And then as the game goes on, maybe give it to Master a little bit more. But I, I honestly, I really don't know what Tony Alford's going to do. And we're going to get a chance to talk to him actually today as we record this on Tuesday. So maybe we'll get another, uh, maybe we'll get a little bit of insight from him. But I, I'm like you. I'm not totally sold on the 50-50. I think if you have a J.K. Dobbins, that's better than having two running backs who you think are good but you know aren't elite of the elite. Um, but I think that this is one of the positions where I, I don't have gigantic concerns with, um, but I, I do want to ma- maintain a reasonable level of that citation.
2: Well, as we go from running backs into wide receivers – this guy kind of crosses both boundaries. What's the deal with Demario McCall? Like this guy was all world coming into Ohio state, one of the best running back recruits in the nation. And we just haven't seen him. Is he going to be one of these guys that gets lost in the Ohio state shuffle? Or are we finally going to see him play significant snaps this season?
0: Well, he's been lost in the shuffle for about <laughs> yeah. three years now. <laughs> he's not just getting lost now. I mean, yeah. it's, he's a weird story. Um, and I, I think, you know, when he was brought in, the idea was either, you know, he can play running back or, you know, there's this H back spot that might be perfect for him as a, you know, an undersized playmaker type where, you know, Curtis Samuel, obviously, um, did did a lot in that role a few years ago, but Brian Hartland has made it pretty clear that that inside receiver is going to be a receiver. It's not going to be an H back. Like we've traditionally talked about it at Ohio state under urban Meyer. So, yeah, I think he's completely lost in the shuffle. I really do because if you have Garrett Wilson as an inside receiver, and you have Jackson Smith and Jake Budd and Mookie Cooper also as freshmen at inside receiver, there's not a ton of, play. there's not a ton of space for Demario. And then if you, I mean, we just talked about Trey Sermon and Master Teague. We didn't even bring up Steele Chambers and Marcus Crowley who are also lurking there. Mayan Williams as well. Um, there's just not a lot of there's not a lot of options for him, and it's unfortunate because he's one of those fun players both to watch and to talk to, uh, but I just, I'm not seeing it for DeMario.
2: You mentioned those young, talented wide receivers. Obviously, Chris Olave is going to be Chris Olave. He's going to do what he does. Fabulous wide receiver. Garrett Wilson moving inside this season. So what do you expect from Garrett Wilson going from the outside to the inside? Any changes for him? Any any uh, maybe added benefit to have him where he's going to be?
0: I think a number one added benefit is just the amount of receptions that I think you'll end up with. Because if you just look at what Ohio State has done with their slot receivers over the, the past three years, ever since Ryan Day came in, it was Paris Campbell, and then Paris Campbell and K.J. Hill. Um, and and now it's it, this past year, it was, it was just K.J. Hill. Um, and all three years, the slot receivers led the team in receptions. And with Garrett Wilson in the slot, just full, I just fully expect that to happen again. Um, and he's he's an interesting player there because before Brian Hartline in the spring had mentioned that he's working in the slot before we actually saw it in practice, it was just a little bit weird because you you look at Garrett and you and you and you see all those majestic catches that he's yeah. made down downfield. Right. Yeah, he has he has some of the best ball skills I've seen. So it's a little bit weird in that respect. But I also think that. I think I think Brian Hartland makes a good point when he talks about just the feel that Garrett has with the game and, and you know maybe his ability to find soft spots and he's maybe a little bit more explosive with the ball than we've seen just because a lot of the a lot of the wild plays he's made are when he's just one on one leaping over guys and if you combine that kind of ability with um, what I think he'll he'll have of, of you know a nice little feel on the inside, I think that he's I think he'll do perfect in that and and I, what I'll be interested in is what they do moving forward. Because I think that they're going to want a, a, a true wide receiver there in the slot going forward. I don't know if it's going to be a guy like Garrett always. I mean, they have Luka Cooper on the roster, who's you know, the classic five foot nine slot guy. I imagine he'll probably take over then. But but for at least this year, I, I, I was walking into the spring with a lot of question marks about who their slot wide receiver is going to be. I mean, if it's Garrett Wilson, he's probably going to lead the team in catches and they're going to be just fine.
2: The guy that I heard a ton about this offseason that I've maybe heard less about now, things have quieted down, was Jamison Williams. Where is he going to fit in this year?
0: Yeah, I, I think he'll be one of the top you know, three or four wide receivers on the team. Um, it, it, it's interesting because they just have such a clear top two with Chris Olave and Garrett Wilson. And then you just look around and you're like, who are the other four guys who are going to fill out the six-man wide receiver rotation? Because you, you have the four freshmen coming in. And then you got veterans like Cam Babb, Jalen Harris, Elijah, Elijah Gardner, um, and Jameson Williams as well. But Jameson's not even really much of a veteran. I mean, he only had a few touches last season. But I think I think he'll fit into the wide receiver rotation. My my question is, you know, is he going to start at, at X or Z, or is he just going to back up Chris Olave and just rotate with Chris Olave at Z, which is what they did last season. And honestly, the way that Brian Hartline rotates his receivers, I don't think that the, that does – that's much of a difference for, for Jameson Williams and his touches. I just think, I think we're going to see him as part of the rotation um, and how many touches he gets. It's just hard to know with this offense. Um, but, but we're going to get a healthy dose of Jameson. And, and we might not be talking about him as much right now, but the first time he, he has a 75-yard reception, which I assume will come quickly in this season, uh, I think, I think those, uh, those words will be made up.
2: Fair to say that we're going to see a pretty decent amount of Julian Fleming and Jackson Smith and Jigba this season?
0: Yeah, personally, I'd add G. Scott to the mints because when I was at practice on Saturday, you look at Julian Fleming and G. Scott look like, like it's, you don't want to say look like NFL receivers because they're freshmen and like you don't want to go overboard, but they look, they look pretty massive for, for being incoming freshmen who've never played it down. I mean, they look like guys who can play right away. So yeah, I think that those three, Jetson Smith and Jigba, Julian Fleming and G. Scott who are all top 75 overall players in their class, um, I think they can all play immediately. And I think uh, they'll see Jadson Smith and Jigba in the slot. I My projection is I think he'll back up Garrett Wilson there. And then I think that you know Julian Fleming and G. Scott can both um, work in at either Z or X. And I think X probably fits both of them better but the way that brian Hartline talks there's not going to be as much of a difference between z and x as there was under urban meyer a few years ago so i think that all three of those guys can get in there and and i and i wouldn't totally discount mookie cooper the one thing with him which is unfortunate for him is you know he didn't get a play a senior year of high school and then obviously spring camp was cut short here after what was it two practices so he didn't really get um as much you know work in over the past year as as maybe the others did and that that's probably working against him at least this year
2: I'm going to gloss over the tight ends for the sake of time and obviously just because they're the same guys we saw last season frankly Ohio State neglects the tight ends for the most part but they'll be used the same way as always yeah (laughs) 18 catches a season Uh, let's let's go to the quarterback now Justin Fields I mean everybody's talking about how he's a vegan now how that's changed his body so much but I'm just going to let you go off on Justin Fields. Is there any way that he can be even better than he was last season?
0: Well, I think the number one thing for him is, is staying healthy throughout and being the Justin Fields that we've seen at times, making sure that he's that Justin Fields throughout the season. Cause like if, if he were fully healthy, could Ohio state have beat, would Ohio state have beat Clemson? Like I don't, I think that that's totally reasonable to to speculate on Um, and and it's both reasonable to speculate on. And you also have to understand, you'll never get an answer on that, but I think it's reasonable. I think it's reasonable to ask. Um, And, and I think that that's as that's as important as really anything else, all these vegan stories, all these stories about how he worked more with Ryan day in the off season than ever before. I think, I think the health is the number one thing for him. Um, And I'll be fascinated to see how they use him this year, because obviously they want to make sure that, that he's, you know, up to speed early in the year and, and they don't want to, to limit his reps, but they also, one, they have the freshman quarterbacks and CJ Stroud and Jack Miller that they want to work in and they can't afford an entry Justin Fields because this is, I mean, this is a national championship contending team. So I, I, I honestly think that there's not a ton more that Justin Fields can do when he's in there. Um, I think that the physical traits are going to be the exact same physical tricks you've seen last year. What I'd be interested in is if he can make quicker, maybe more decisive reads, um, and if he adds different types of throws. I mean, last year we never really saw any crossing routes. I think I think we saw certain throws that he really liked. Like he has a he has a throw to the to, to deep across the field outside um, on the sideline that he makes with ease, um, and you saw that a lot last year. I'll be interested to see just what are the types of throws that they go um, that that they that they have him, um, that they call for him this year. Because I think that that's a lot, um, that, di- that just differs year by year. And it also differs by the wide receivers, which are, I think that that's as much an interesting thing as anything else for Justin Fields, just because you, you're going to have four new wide receivers in the rotation. Um, and Garrett Wilson's playing a different position. So this receiving core for him is, is very different. Um, and I think it's more explosive. It might allow him to, to you know, take more shots down the field. Um, so there's a lot that's interesting with him, and at the same time, a lot of it's just going to be the same old Justin Fields, and that's going to be just fine for Ohio State.
2: All right, well, the last thing that I'll ask you here, Colin, is if you could pick out maybe one or two players offensively this season for Ohio State that you think might be breakout candidates, who would they be?
0: I mean – I, I think Harry Miller is the one guy I would say. Like, I'm not discounting that Harry Miller walks in and just has an all-American season right off the bat, like Wyatt Davis did as a first-year starter. I can't say enough good things about Harry Miller. I'm just waiting for the first time someone has a bad thing to say about him. In all honesty, like, no one has anything bad to say. I think back to last preseason, he well, one he didn't enroll early because he wanted to be the ball at in his High School. Like, that's nuts. And then he walks in, and by the before the season, Josh Myers is talking about. You know, how he's at center just picking up things that he's never seen any freshman or player that young pick up. So, like, you move that guy to guard, I feel pretty confident that Harry Miller's going to be awesome right away. Um, So so he's that guy for me on the offensive line. And then it's just hard. It's hard to pick out. I I think if we're looking for, you know, under the radar guys, there's not a lot of guys who are on this offense who are under the radar. I mean, what I would point to is just, like, I think probably one of the freshmen is going to be. You know, third or fourth leading on the team in receptions, and the tough thing right now is just figuring out who is that. Like, is it going to be Julian Fleming, the best wide receiver? Is it going to be Jetson Smith and Jigba? The five stars are going to be G. Scott, the guy who looks like an NFL receiver. I don't know. It'll be one of them, um, and I it won't be su- won't be surprising if it's if if all three of them um, make plays early. But I think that this offense, unlike the defense, it, a lot of these guys are either known commodities or they just have a lot of talented depth. So it's hard to figure out a lot of under-the-radar or breakout candidates. Harry Miller's my guy. He's not under the radar at all. I just think Harry Miller's going to be All-American and go be a first-round pick in a few years.
2: All right, I lied. Very quickly, the last thing I'll ask you here, given your answer with Harry Miller, the, the talent on the offensive line versus the, the talent in the wide receiver room, are you more excited to see Ohio State run the ball this season or throw the ball?
0: Oh, that's such a good question because there's a couple there's a couple components to it, isn't it? Because uh, you have the you have the running backs. Who I'm fascinated to see yeah. you know, what Master Teague looks like. I haven't ever seen Trey Sermon run um, in in an Ohio State uniform, but I will say I will say the passing game just because there's so there there's different moving parts. Like what's Harry Miller going to look like? He's probably going to look awesome, and he's just going to look like an awesome left guard. Like <laughs> there's not a lot of craziness to Harry Miller. Um, I think Trey Sermon and Matt Stratega will be fascinating, but I really want to see Garrett Wilson um, playing out of the slot. I really want to see these freshmen because, like, when you lay your, your eyes on them, it's like you hear about them as top 100 recruits and you sort of – like, I, I feel like I was the guy back in the spring who was sort of tempering expectations a little bit just because, like, I just – I wanted to see it. I just wanted to wait. I know that they're great recruits, but sometimes like you give a Baron Browning who takes a lot of – takes more years than you might expect to develop. I think these guys can be good immediately. Um, and I also want to see what Justin Fields adds to his game. When you have a ridiculous touchdown interception ratio last year, um, there's not a ton to, to add to his game. It feels like from the outside, but he's Justin fields. I feel like, I feel like he will have a little, um, he'll have something different. So, so that is my answer. But I mean, I'll, i I think that this offense can, can be the best offense in the country. And I think that it, I, I, I think that that's the most important thing um, when we talk about this offense as a whole is I have a lot of question marks on defense. I I really do. I think there are a lot of guys who are talented but who are stepping into different roles. I think this offense both has to be one of the best in the country and can be the best in the country. Um, So I'll be fascinated to see they can live up to my obscenely high expectations.
2: (laughs) All right, Colin. Well, I really do appreciate your time. This was very fun, and uh, hopefully we can do it again sometime.
0: Absolutely. I'll do it anytime.
2: So again, thanks very much to Colin Haas-Hill for joining me to break down the Ohio State offense heading into the 2020 season. Very interesting stuff there from Colin Haas-Hill. I loved his insights on Harry Miller and the Ohio State offensive line. And I think that's one aspect of the Ohio State offense that's very often taken for granted and forgotten about, frankly. The Ohio State offensive line has been fantastic for as long as I can remember. In this season, it might be its very best. So I'm really, really excited for Ohio State To run the ball this season, like Colin said at the end there, my last question, are you more excited to see Ohio State run or pass this season? He went with pass just because I think there's a little bit more uncertainty there with the wide receiver group, new weapons for Justin Fields. But I'm excited to see Ohio State run the ball this season. I want to see what Trey Sermon looks like. I want to see what Master Teague looks like coming off of his injuries, and I want to see how this Ohio State offensive line works for both of those guys as well as Justin Fields. So again, I want to say thank you to Colin Haas-Hill, and right now it's time to move over to Buckeyes in the NFL. Take a look at what former Ohio State Buckeyes did this week in NFL Week 4. Let's start things off in Dallas, where the Browns upset the Cowboys in a big way. Denzel Ward, former Ohio State cornerback, Sealed the deal in that one, picking off Dak Prescott towards the end of the game. So a game-winning interception there for Denzel Ward as the Browns hold on to beat the Cowboys in Big D. Then with the Washington football team, Dwayne Haskins had his first career 300-yard game. He also ran for his first NFL touchdown despite Washington's loss to the Baltimore Ravens. Also in that game, his top wide receiver, former Buckeye Terry McLaurin, stayed red hot. He set a career high with 10 catches, and he had 118 yards through the air. In Cincinnati, Joe Burrow, former Ohio State quarterback, got his first career NFL victory, beating the Jaguars 33-25 pretty good game at quarterback for Joe Burrow I really like what he's done to start this season for the Bengals he was 25 of 36 for 300 yards even had a touchdown and one interception helping the Bengals again to knock off the Jaguars 33 to 25 for his first ever NFL victory taking a look right now at last week's NFL picks I wasn't as hot as as I thought I would be. I felt really, really good going into the week, had a fabulous past two weeks heading into week four, but I finished under 500 for week four. Quickly, we'll go over last week's picks, and then I will provide for you my picks going into NFL week five. Remember, every week I pick the Bengals, the Washington football team, the Saints, the Raiders, the Lions, and the Colts, because all of those teams boast the most Buckeyes in the NFL, On top of those games, I also picked Sunday Night Football and Monday Night Football. So I had the Lions covering four points against the Saints. The Lions got out to a 14-point lead in that game. Unfortunately, they squandered it, lost by more than four, so I lost that bet. I also had the Bears covering against the Colts. I thought the Bears were going to win that game. Their offense looked atrocious. They did not cover the three-point spread, so I lost that one. Then I picked up two victories. I had the Bengals by three against the Jaguars. That hit. And I had the Ravens by two touchdowns against the Washington football team in that pick hit. So two and two heading into the late games. The Bills at the Raiders, I had the Raiders covering three points against Buffalo, but the Bills looked good against Las Vegas. I did not win that bet as the Raiders did not cover the three points. Then on Sunday Night Football, I had a feeling the Eagles were going to heat up. I thought they would beat the 49ers outright and cover their seven-point spread. So as touchdown underdogs, the Eagles upset the 49ers, win that game outright, and I win that bet. Then on Monday Night Football, I thought the Falcons were going to finally wake up and at least cover the spread against the Packers. I thought they had a chance to win that game outright. That was not the case as the Packers were absolutely dominant, despite not having really any of their normal wide receivers. The Falcons looked dormant yet again. They did not cover the seven and a half point spread, and I lost that game. I finished the week under 500 at three and four, but still pretty good on the season overall. I am over 500 at 17 and 12. So right now, on to this week's picks. No Lions game this week. They have a bye. So let's start off with the Cincinnati Bengals Sunday at 1. Eastern. It's the Bengals visiting the Ravens in Baltimore. They're two touchdown underdogs, 13 and a half point spread. I like the Bengals covering in this game. The Ravens just covered against Washington. I think the Bengals are far better than the Washington football team, so I think they cover those 13 and a half points. I have the Bengals plus 13.5. Game number two, Sunday at 1 Eastern, it's the Las Vegas Raiders at Chiefs. The Raiders in that game, 12.5-point underdogs. I think they're going to cover against Kansas City. The Chiefs, obviously, very, very good. I think they're probably the best team in the NFL. But I like the Raiders covering, I think, 12.5 points a lot because I don't think the Raiders are that, that bad. So I have the Raiders plus 12.5 in game two. Pick number three, also Sunday at 1 Eastern, it's the LA Rams visiting the Washington football team. The Rams, 8.5-point favorites in that game. I think their offense pops off against Washington. I think they cover, so my pick in game number three is the Rams, minus 8.5. Game number four, is we start off the late game, Sunday at 425, the Indianapolis Colts visiting the Cleveland Browns. I like the Browns as 2.5-point underdogs in this game. I watched the Colts against the Bears last week. The Colts' defense is very, very good. Their offense, not so much. And if the Browns deliver the performance or a similar performance that they did against Dallas, I know the Dallas defense is frankly atrocious. But if the Browns are able to keep the offensive momentum going, I think they're going to have enough to beat the Colts, upset them, win outright Sunday at 425. So my pick in game number four is the Browns plus two and a half. On to Sunday night football. Sunday night football this week, the Vikings at the Seahawks. I don't have any faith in the Vikings whatsoever this season. I think the Seahawks are the real deal. I love Russell Wilson. I think he is just about as good a quarterback as you can find out. there. so responsible with the football, seems to always find a way to get it done. The Seahawks are seven-point favorites at home in this game. I think they cover, so my pick for Sunday night football is the Seahawks minus seven. On to Monday night football in week five. It's the Chargers going to New Orleans to take on the Saints. The Chargers are more than a touchdown underdog in this game. I don't really know why, because I think Justin Herbert is the real deal at quarterback for the LA Chargers. The Saints have just not looked good this season. I'm still going to harp on that. I don't believe in the Saints, especially as seven and a half point favorites on Monday Night Football. Maybe Vegas knows something that I don't, but my pick, pick number six for Monday Night Football is the Chargers plus seven and a half. So make sure to get all your picks in for NFL Week 5 at betonline.ag. Hopefully, I'm able to wake up from uh, my 3-4 and four performance last week, get back on track this week, Week 5, and provide you guys some more victories. Put a little cash in your pockets. So with that, we're going to finish up this week of Believe in Ohio State. I loved previewing the Buckeyes offense with Colin Haas-Hill of 11 Warriors. Make sure to check out all of his work with 11 Warriors because he does a lot of good stuff. I really, really enjoy reading Colin Hoshill's Hill's work, and I really enjoyed talking to him about the Ohio State offense heading into the 2020 season. If you've got any questions about the Ohio State offense, or the defense for that matter, heading into the 2020 campaign, feel free to message me on Twitter, email me. My email is dylantyre at mac.com, D-Y-L-A-N-T-Y-R-E-R at M-A-C.com. On Twitter, you can find me at dylantyre, D-Y-L-A-N-T-Y-R-E-R, If you want to have a conversation about Ohio State football, if you'd like me to answer any of your questions on the podcast about Ohio State football, feel free to message me either one of those ways. I'd love to talk to you about the Buckeyes heading into the 2020 season. So again, thanks to Colin Haas-Hill. And as always, thank you guys for joining me this week on Believe in Ohio State.
0: Who get it done.